Lord God, let the love, Lord, we love you because you first loved us. We can only know love because you have given us love. And Lord, I just pray tonight, Lord God, even as John had full clarity that you loved him, I pray tonight that there will be full clarity, Lord God, in those that, Lord, are, have, are, are, are grieving in their heart, Lord God, that are going through this valley of grief. For those that, Lord, are facing difficulties, that are recovering, Lord God, from sickness, that, Lord, are have a, a issue that they need resolved tonight. I pray, Father, that they would sense and know your presence. Lord, we thank you and we magnify your name. Lord, we ask, Almighty God, that you would send revival, Lord, to this house. In Jesus' holy name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming tonight. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, tonight. Let's give these guys some appreciation. Praise the Lord. I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you will, and go over to Second uh, Chronicles, Second Chronicles, the fifth chapter. <clears throat> As you're turning there, let me give you a couple of quick announcements. Second Chronicles five, Second Chronicles five. Uh, there will be a water baptism on September the twelfth. There'll be an orientation meeting uh, this Sunday after service. So if you'd like to be water baptized, please meet me in room one hundred three after church on Sunday. Also, the youth uh, will be having a youth event uh, September the 5th, and that is going to be Sunday night at 6 o'clock. We started our on-ramp leadership training tonight. If you missed, go ahead and come on back out. If you went through it one time and you'd like a refresher, you're welcome to do that. If you'd like to see areas in which you can get involved, uh, come on September the 8th. That'll be before service on Wednesday. Uh, the ladies will be gathering here Friday night, uh, 7 o'clock. Uh, for prayer and also the empty nesters on September the 11th there's going to be a gospel singing a potluck amen now we're asking for a head count if you can please put your name on the list uh, the church is going to provide the meat and so we need to know how much meat to buy and so or how to prepare and so if you will also mark on your calendars if you don't have it already October the 1st 2nd and 3rd we're going to have revival services with Dean and Peggy Caldwell. And I assure you, you're going to enjoy these folks out of Arkansas. And if you haven't uh, heard of them, you're going, to, you're going to be blessed by their ministry. But I'm not looking for a series of meetings. I want to see the Lord punctuate what he's already doing here. Amen? I want to see God move. And so I'm going to ask you to do this. Spend a little time each day in prayer. In your prayer time, maybe you need to add a little bit to it, but I want you to be praying that the Spirit of the Lord would move in a mighty way and that revival be more than just a meeting. It'll be an outpouring of the Spirit. Amen? Does this thing keep going in and out, or is that just me, guys? Just me. Okay. I'm just in and out? Okay. All right, let's look here in Second Chronicles, the fifth chapter. Second Chronicles, the fifth chapter. I want to read, uh, just follow along with me. I'm going to start with the first three verses, and then we're going to skip through the chapter here. I want you to look here and take note. This is Solomon as he is uh, completed the temple of the Lord. And Father, we come before you tonight and ask, my God, that your touch, your spirit, Lord, the anointing may rest upon us to deliver 
Lord, and to receive. And Father, I pray tonight, Lord God, let your words be heard. And everybody said amen. Second Chronicles, let's begin in the first verse. Thus all the work that Solomon did for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in the things that David his father had dedicated, the silver, the all of the furnishing in the treasury of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes and the leaders of the house of the fathers among the sons of Israel to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is in Zion. All of the men of Israel were assembled before the king at the feast, which is in the seventh month. Now look down at verse 7. The priest brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place, to the inner sanctuary of the temple, and to the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim. Now let's look down, if you will. Let's look in verse 11. When the priest came out from the most holy place, he placed the ark in the, in the most holy place, And when the priest came out from the most holy place, verse 11, all of the priests who were present consecrated themselves without keeping separate divisions. And the Levitical singers, Asaph, Heman, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name, Jaduthan, with their sons and relatives and all clothed in fine linen with cymbals and harps, lairs, stood at the east of the altar with them 120 priests who were sounding with trumpets happened it happened when the trumpet players singers made one notice this one sound of praise gave thanks to the lord when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and all the instruments of music praised the lord saying for he is good and his mercy endures forever he is good and his mercy endures forever. That the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. And the priests were not able to stand in order to serve because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house. Last week we finished up a series, Unsuspecting Superpower. And in that, we found that the last one we discussed was unity. The word of the Lord for our church is this. He will exponentially increase this house as we walk in unity. If you will choose to be unified with one and only central theme, one and only person we seek to please, when we worship, we have an audience of one, when we lift our hands, we're lifting to our hands to the, to the one who, who died and rose again and separated us from our sins and gave us his likeness and his image. We worship him. I believe, folks, as we begin to walk in unity, we're going to discover the glory cloud will begin to fall upon the house again. 
as we begin to offer up praise in unified manner, and we come in this house with an intent and purpose, uh, and that is to glorify God, we'll begin to see the glory of God begin to settle upon the house of God, upon the people of God. There will be a new revelation of how good God is and how merciful the Lord truly is. If there ever a day where we need a revelation of the goodness and the mercy of God, it is today. If there's ever a day and an hour where we need to feel and know the touch of God, it is today. If there's ever a moment in history and time that we need a revival beyond all expectations and imagination, it is today. And I believe the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has the keys to see the nations transformed by the power of God. It's unity, folks. Unity. There's exponential power, exponential increase. When we suffer with our brothers and when we celebrate with our brothers and sisters in Christ, when we lift them up, and we notice here the framework, that song that we sang, the frame, Andrew leaned over to me and she said, you know, the framework is the law. The law just framed Jesus. It was the, it, it was the very thing that, that caused us to come to Christ knowing that we can accomplish it, and it frames the power that works within us. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. But as we look here, and let me encourage you, as you look into the Old Covenant, Genesis to Malachi, as you look in the Old Covenant, when you look at that, look through the lens of Christology. Look through the lens of Christology. In other words, overlay the entirety of the Word of God with Jesus. And if you will overlay the entirety of the Word of God with Jesus, you'll discover the, reach, the rich resources uh, that are there in Revelation uh, as you listen to the Spirit as He speaks to you. As we look here, I want you to notice that as they begin to worship, the glory began to fill the temple. As they began to magnify the Lord, the glory began to fill the temple. The glory began to, began to permeate. That cloud was so thick and so rich in the kabod and the weightiness of the glory that the, the, that the priest could not go in and stand because of the cloud that had entered into the temple. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are made to be housed by the glory of God. Now, as we look here in unity, how many of you would like to see your family delivered from generations of dysfunction? I, I don't like the word curse. For a child of God, the curse was taken care of at the cross. But my family was filled with a lot of dysfunction. Lots and lots and lots of dysfunction. Generational dysfunction. Generational propensities for self-destructive behavior. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many would like to see your family come in and be absolutely delivered from dysfunction? By having the functioning one living on the inside of them. How many would like to see the, the alcoholic lay the beer down and the alcohol down? How, would you, how many would like to see the drug addict find a, a new source called the gospel and start taking that? 
How many would would like to see the uh, uh, the, the the tension and contention that's taking place in that relationship to be broken? That you walk into the house, but then you walk out different than what you came. How many would like to see those that are just passing by on 30 all of a sudden make an exit on 94 and decide they got to get over to this house because something's going on and something's drawing them in? How many would like to see those sitting at QT just look over and say, wait a minute, I see a fire sitting over that church, but it's not on fire. I need to go see what's going on. How many would love to see those that rolled in in a wheelchair just dance around the altars and run through the, run through the altars? And How many would like to see those? things begin to happen. I tell you how it will happen. It will happen as we walk in unity. Because the Bible shows us here as we walk in unity and we praise together with one mind and one accord the glory filled that temple. I believe that the Lord wants to feel not just individually but corporately, he wants to fill his church with an overwhelming touch of glory. Now, as we look here, we need to know what unifies us. And I believe if we begin to understand what unifies us, we'll be more unified. Once you look there in verse, in verse 1, in verse 1 of that chapter, Thus, remember now, we're overlaying this with Christology. Thus, all of the work that Solomon did for the house of the Lord was finished. David said, I want to build you a house, Lord. He said, no, you're not going to build me a house but you're going to have a son and your son is going to build me a house. As a foreshadowing, a son, Solomon, was a type of the son, Jesus. The, David, the father, provided everything necessary and needed for building the house. But the son is the one that built the house. And the Bible tells us here that Solomon the son, a son, is a type of the son, finished the work of the house. My daughter Lainey, which you all know, who led worship here for several years or three years, but her, she and Mike are building a house in Lindell. And we talk about that house every day. They can't move into that house until it's finished. And they're getting near to the finish, but it seems there's a lot of finishing that needs to take place before it's completely finished. And they want the house finished because they're tired of that one-bedroom apartment, and they want to move into their house. But they can't move into their house until everything's finished. you got to get it finished before you can move in. And God wanted to get the house finished so that he could move in. <laughs> Woo! 
So when Jesus Christ came, as we were looking for 1,500 years through the framework of the incompleted house, just the blueprints of what needed to take place, here comes the Son, and he came and declared while hanging upon the cross, it is finished. The house is ready for habitation because I've finished the work. To tell us die, as we talked about on Fourth of July, to tell us die, which was when you sent a, it had four different uh, meanings or uses uh, in that day there where Jesus was giving the Hebrew equivalent to that word to tell us die. It is finished. People knew in the crowd when he said the word to tell us die. They knew it was a reference even to those who had a bill that was needed to be paid, they would stamp that bill, paid in full, to telesty. It is finished. When you come to the cross and you accept Jesus Christ, what is declared over you is paid in full. The Lord doesn't hand you an invoice. He gives you a receipt. Oh, that ought to unify us. Amen. You mean to tell me everything that need be done has been done and now God can take up habitation inside of my heart if I accept his payment as being payment in full? That is what I am telling you tonight. You're trying to work and do everything you can in order to make it work so that God would somehow be enticed to enter into your heart. You can't do the work. What you have to do is accept the work that has been done. When the church of the Lord Jesus Christ awakens to the day, they will awaken to the understanding as the house is finished. The house is finished. The mission is complete. When the high priest would come out at the day of atonement and the sacrifice was made and he would walk out alive, he would declare to the crowd, the, the Hebrew equivalent word was that of tetelestai. It is finished. When our high priest, who was not only our high priest, but also our sacrifice, who is also the perfect human, who is also the last Adam when he hung up on the cross and he made the declaration he said the mission is complete the, the invoice has been paid in full and the sacrifice has been accepted it is finished we start at finished If we can rally around the finished work of Christ, bring a unity where you come in and you're not trying to create God by your emotions. See, the Lord is the Lord whether you feel him or not. The Lord is the Lord whether you see him or not. 
The Lord is the Lord before we ever got here. He'll be the Lord after we're gone. He was the Lord before America was formed, before the U.S. had a constitution, a bill of rights, before it had a seated government. Jesus Christ was still on the throne, and he's still on the throne, and he'll always be on the throne. And if this nation falls, Jesus Christ will still be Lord, and the work will still be complete. I'm not wishing for this country to fall into ruin, but let me tell you, we need to revival like we've never known or never seen before or even imagined in our own mind. I can hear about the revivals of old and all it does is it stirs me up to say, Lord, I want revival now. I want it for my children, my children's children. I want it for every generation to follow. Lord God, I want my, my heathen family to come in to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want, Lord God, the unreachable to be reached. I want the unteachable to learn and be taught. I want the power of the living God moving in a house that you have built. I've made this statement here and everywhere I've been. God doesn't need help being God. He's God all by himself. But I do believe that the Lord is wanting to manifest his glory so that when we lay hands on the sick, we don't have to shout them down. We don't have to hold them down. We don't have to rub their face in the dirt, try to convince them. Are you hearing me? We just know that we know that we know the work's finished. It's done. Complete. The house is finished. Someone in this place should take a sigh of relief and say, wait a minute, I don't have to keep working to get God's favor? No. Let the work take place in here, then the favor will just rest on you. You don't have to go around declaring all that you have done so that you can validate yourself in front of everybody. You're already validated through the cross. You have the identity of Christ. You didn't earn it. You just receive it. You accept your acceptance in him, and now you understand I am complete because of what he has done. Unified under the understanding of the completed work of Christ, the house is finished. I want you to notice something that I picked up on here. The reason they were worshiping there because they understood the house was complete. It was tetelestai. It was finished. Jesus declares to you and I, it is finished. But notice at the finish, at the finished work, what comes next? Solomon brought in the things that his father dedicated. The silver, the gold, all the furnishings of the treasury. Now let's read that overlaid with Christ. And the son brought into the things that the father had dedicated. In the word of the Lord, we see that God uses natural things to show us images that we can understand. Here, 
He's shown us gold and silver so that we understand this is a precious metal, a precious monetary value, something that is tangible that we can see. Now, in heaven, it's just pavement. The streets are paved and go. But here, it's something we, we reach for, we strive for. We understand that it has value, currency. And so Solomon, a son, he brings in what his father had collected and dedicated to the work, and he brings it into the treasury of the house, the physical house. But see, for you and I, we're supposed to look at the scriptures and say there's something more precious than silver and gold. In fact, the word of the Lord, according to Psalms 19 and 72, the law of your mouth is better to me than the thousands of gold and silver pieces. Proverbs tells us, speaking of wisdom, my fruit is better. The fruit of wisdom is better than gold and pure gold and is better yield than choice silver. And then 1 Peter 1 and 18 says, knowing that we were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile ways, a futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of the lamb, unblemished, spotless, the blood of Christ. It need be, I go ahead and share with you First Peter 1 and 7, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found and result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what I'm saying to you, he said, yeah, you can get hung up on the gold and silver if you don't understand that there's something more valuable than the gold and silver. Solomon, the son, brought in what was dedicated by the father into the house. Jesus Christ, the son, brought in what was dedicated by the father into the house, which was his blood, his wisdom, his word. Folks, do you hear today? The Lord, the father, has dedicated precious things, and he put it in the house. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. Who the house? You the house. Who the house? You the house. I'm the house. You're the house. If you house the king, then you are the king's house. You're the castle. You are the one in which God dedicated and which the one in whom he inhabits. There are dedicated things brought into the treasury of your being. The word of God, the faith of God, the wisdom of God, the love of God, the blood of Jesus Christ. Miracles, signs, and wonders live inside the heart of every born-again believer because the Holy Spirit dwells there. That art of silver and gold, ooh, good one, good one. Silver and gold have I none. 
but such as I have, more precious than silver and gold. When there's a beggar laying on the street and he's just, oh, I'll tell you, when the sermon begins to preach itself, it's all right. When the beggar's sitting there, silver and gold's not just going to get him another meal, might get him a little bit of comfort, might get him a night in Super 8 or, or run down 6. I don't know. But let me tell you, when you reach out and give him something more precious than that, out of the treasury of heaven, now you got something to give him. It's more precious because why don't you get up and walk but the power that is resident inside of me I'm going to release to you more precious than silver and gold now some of you are thinking you did you had that thought the Lord just showed me you had that thought preacher that's arrogant of you to say that that's inside of you well, let me let you in on a little secret. If Jesus lives in your heart because you're born again, it's inside of you too. We get so bent out of shape because John said, I'm the disciple Jesus loved. He's just declaring what he understood by revelation that he's loved of God. And the love that God had for John doesn't take a one bit, one jot, one tittle, one iota from you because the resources of heaven are not lack. The Lord is not stingy. He is the original giver. He's the original entrepreneur. He's the original philanthropist. He's the original one who is given. And we wouldn't even know how to give if it wasn't for him and his charitable deeds toward us. So hear me. Well, we understand it's finished and that there's precious things inside of me that is, that is not comparable to things of this world. All of a sudden, it changes my perspective. And now I can worship God because I know everything I have was given to me by him because the son dedicated what the father wanted me to have. And he gave me Jesus, so he gave me everything. Now that brings us into a place of unity. And we can worship. And as we worship, the glory begin to feel. And a revelation of his goodness and his mercy will be revealed. But the best I'm about to share with you, if that wasn't good enough, gets gooder. They brought in the most holy furnishing into the inner most holy place. Now, you read the rest of that chapter. I don't know what happened to it. I don't know where they lost it. Somewhere along the way, Aaron's rod that budded was not in there. The, the pot of manna wasn't in there. But Hebrew said in the origination of the Ark of the Covenant, <clears throat> it had three things in there. Ten commandments. The pot of manna. And Aaron's rod. Ten commandments written on the front and the back. Don't add to or take away. 
represented the word of God, the law of God, was laced, laid in that golden chest. Aaron's rod that budded, who's got the right to be the priest, take 12 rods, lay it in the presence of the Lord, and whichever one sprouts overnight, bears fruit, that tribe will be the one who has the right to the priesthood because there's a priesthood coming. Not everybody has the right yet until the right priest comes forward. Once the right priest comes forward, now he can rightfully distribute the, the, the duties of the priesthood to us. But we see first that the one that came forth was the rod of Aaron. It, they took the almond branches, cut them off, laid them down there, wrote his name on it. And the next morning they came in and that that almond branch that had no physical root went ahead and blossomed. It not only blossomed, but it also bore a fully ripe fruit on it because the priesthood that we have is not rooted and grounded in the earth and you can know the evidence of the priesthood by the fruit it bears and that priest is Jesus and then we have the golden pot and Jesus that represented the bread that fell from heaven so what I'm telling you is that the ark of the covenant is a representation of Jesus Christ because he is the bread of life he is the not only the lawgiver but the law keeper he's not only the law keeper and the law giver, but he is also the, the priest called after the order of Melchizedek. But even more than that, he is the one in which God said he would meet with there where the cherubims overshadowed and the blood was setting upon that mercy seat is where the Lord said, I will meet with you. And where God meets with us is in Jesus Christ. And so when we look at that, what we begin to see is the most holy furnishing. Look, this house has been dedicated this house is finished and all of the, of the treasures have been dedicated and brought into the treasury. But now we're ready. Now we're ready. Let's go ahead and bring in the Ark of the Covenant, which is Jesus Christ, and put him in the inmost part of the holies of holies. And that's the heart of man. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And if that can't get you to worshiping, you need to wake up from the dead. Giselle, I want to publicly say I am so sorry. She's trying to translate back there. Pray for her. Pray earnestly for her. In Luke's gospel, Luke's gospel, we're not going to take time to read it. Luke's Gospel, the fifth chapter. We bring the correlation between Solomon's temple, the glory falling, because it was finished, the dedicated items were there, and the Ark of the Covenant was put in place. And the priests that were there began to worship God. And the glory filled that house. Now, John says this, John 1 and 14, and the word became flesh, who's the word that became flesh, Jesus, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when you look back, looking through the, this lens 
tangible representation of Jesus, Solomon's temple was the glory. And when Jesus was in the house in Luke 5, people were gathered around. The word of the Lord declares healing was present to heal them. And the naysayers and the Sadducees, see they're sad you see, they don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. The fair, see the fair you sees, they, they think it's all about the external, not the internal. They were there in the house too. People couldn't get in the door, they couldn't get in the sideway, they tried to come in the front door, couldn't get in there, come in the back door, couldn't get in there. There were too many people around the windows, couldn't get there. But I've got this friend who is paralyzed, who can't walk, who's never walked, who will not walk from this day forward. So I believe the four people carrying him, and you can say it any way you want to, but I believe the four men carrying him was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. Brought him up, began to, I love one translation, said they began to dig away the tiles of the roof. And they lowered him just like the gospel lowers us into the presence of Jesus. And that lame man is humanity himself. And whenever you lay that lame man in front of Jesus, Jesus does what Jesus does. And Jesus told him to get up and walk because he's got the authority, the power, the sins are forgiven. Now I need you to get up and walk and don't leave that bed laying there for somebody else to get in. That affliction is over, not just for you, but everybody around you. Take that bed of affliction and go burn it in the backfield, but get it up out of here so somebody else won't be tempted to get in that bed of affliction because you were healed. Now I need you to get up and move. I say to you, church, hear me this hour, hear me this day. If we get the glory who is Jesus' manifest presence in the house, there will not be room enough to contain everything that God is going to do in this place. In fact, there won't be room in the front door, the back door, or the window, and who knows how they may seek to get in this place. But I assure you, I've been in enough meetings, I have been in enough places, and I can tell you that the day is coming where God's going to supersede all of that because he is going to have a revival. Do you think the Lord is going to give the devil the final word? Do you think COVID is all that, that there is going to be at the end of this age? No, let me tell you what this age is going to end up with. It's going to end up with a powerful revival of the Spirit of God because the people of God, the people of God are standing to their feet and they're saying, we will be unified. We will praise in one accord. Oh, Able and mighty, able and mighty is the Lord. You are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. Just begin to praise him right now. Just begin to lift your voices to the Lord. Let the song come forth from your spirit. Let there be weeping. There may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Let the tears of sorrow turn to tears of joy. Come on and begin to worship the Lord in this house tonight. Worthy, 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 worthy is the Lord. Able and mighty. 
Holy and wonderful is the Lord. Able and mighty, holy and wonderful is the Lord. You are mighty, Lord. You are mighty, Lord. You are mighty. Come on, worship him tonight. Worship him tonight. You're thinking, oh, my Lord, I thought this was just a Wednesday night Bible study. This is exactly what it is. We're studying the Bible. Hallelujah. 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 We're going to lay hands on the sick in just a moment, and they're going to recover. But I'm going to ask right now. i got a strong feeling that there are those that are not born again. This service was orchestrated for you. The glory you feel right now is because God is speaking to you. He wants you to know he's real. He's real. Tonight, if you need Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, and you're tired of running, you're tired of running, I want you to come down right now. I want to meet with you. Come right now. Jesus, I need you to be my Lord and Savior. I need you to be my Lord and Savior. Randall, can you help me tonight? Randall, can you help me tonight? Just come and stand right here. Pastor Angel, would you come and stand right here? If you're, if you're in this house tonight and you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, in just a moment we're going to open up and I want you to come. Either one of these men will pray with you and they will encourage you and they will lead you to the, to the Lord. Elijah, worship team, make your way up here.